Leo Fleury, Patriot Warrior, Canadians for Truth Media, and today I have a very special guest, the, wa the most watched human being on the planet in the 8 p.m. Eastern slot, uh, Fox News, Tucker Carlson. It's an honor to have you here, sir. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Are you kidding? Thank you. <laughs> well, I sure appreciate uh, you uh, allowing me to be on your show a few times and uh, gotten to know you over uh, the last six months. And, uh, you know, I consider you uh, a friend. So I, I appreciate that. Same way. Thank you. Awesome. So uh, the reason why I wanted you on, first and foremost, was to talk about uh you know the mp that in the house of commons actually brought a point of order basically uh slagging you for wanting to liberate this country <laughs> from from the grips of our communist dictator mr justin trudeau so what did you what did you think about that well i mean you know, my my initial response was obviously all the best can, comedians have already left Canada for the U.S. Because I'm <laughs> joking, you know, I'm not. I'm a talk show host. I'm not. Yes. I, I do think Justin Trudeau is a dictator? Um, I think that's obvious. I, I don't mm -hmm. care what he says he is. I'm not as interested in what people say as I am in what they do. And his actions show that he's an authoritarian, and I yeah. think it's terrifying. And I should just say at the outset that I'm one of the only Americans I know who legitimately loves Canada. Um, and I, I love it for a bunch of different reasons. I'll just be honest, primarily for its natural beauty, which I think is unsurpassed yeah. on the planet. I think it's the prettiest country there is. I, I think your Rockies are better than ours. I shouldn't admit that, but it's true. I love the Maritime. Yeah. I, I love, you know, I love all of it um from you know british columbia all the way to labrador and i've been there i've hunted and fished fished in your country a lot so what happens in canada i'm interested in again i'm one of the only people in 350 million population country who cares but i do care i think canadians are are legitimately nice people and it kills me to see what's happening and i in one sentence my outsider's take on it is that your government your prime minister in particular but his coalition more broadly have leveraged the best instincts of canadians which are kindness politeness refusal yeah. to complain concern for neighbors these are all really good things about canadians and they've taken these things and subverted them for their own political benefit for their own power and yeah. i think that's evil you know, if, if Justin Trudeau came out and said, look, I'm going to strip you of your most basic civil liberties, and that's what I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, try to overthrow me by force. That at least would be a masculine posture. That would be what a man does. He's straightforward. Here's what I'm doing. Do you like it? Do you not? Let's, you know, let's debate it or let's fight. Instead, he's taken a feline posture, which is, oh, no, don't worry. This is all for your own good. I'm just a nice person. He is an evil person, very obviously to me um and he won't admit it and that drives me crazy like go ahead and be stalin then just sneer you know like an evil georgian uh but no. but no he's not man enough to do that obviously you know you're you're an enemy of the left right hope so <laughs> so so when an M mp 
like in the Canadian Parliament, actually uses your name as somebody who needs to be cancelled. What, like, what does that, what does that say to where we are in the world? That you know, you're, you're a guy who you know I've become a huge fan of because we think alike, right? And when people think alike, we we sort of gravitate to each other and want to be around each other and want to spend time with each other. So, you know, when that happens, like, what is this cancel culture all about? And that you're a, that you're a target. Well, right? yeah, I mean, but ultimately, I don't care. I'm almost fifty four. My kids are grown. Like, I, you know, that's what I do with my life. I, you know, okay, I yeah. just don't care. I'm not afraid to die. Yeah. Not yeah. that I think I'm going to, but um. Yeah. When I saw that, my first thought was, how frivolous are you? Your country has very serious problems that are almost never acknowledged in public. Your country is a natural resources-based economy. That's what it is. There's no, no shame in that. Mm -hmm. Mining and fossil fuels. That's what Canada, and timber. And that's what Canada is. And yeah. fisheries. But ultimately, it's a natural resources-based economy. It's not a banking economy. It's never going to be one. It's not going to yeah. be a, a fake ones and zeros digital economy. It's a natural resource economy. So, their your government is saying we can't touch our natural resources a that's a huge problem long term b you're importing way too many people to successfully metabolize into your society you can bring in people immigration i'm for immigration everyone's for immigration in the west yeah. but you can't bring them in at the rate that canada is bringing them in without completely blowing up your social fabric it's too much change for people so yeah. i would say 10 years from now canada is in like dire trouble i don't think it's an overstatement and this guy is mad because some cable news talk show host made fun of him really that's agenda one on yeah. today's schedule like that's insane you're a child who put this man in office yeah i mean i really like it's contemptible to me yeah so with that all being said um you know what why why is an ideology that we know has failed like over centuries which yeah. is which is you know and i see this whole climate thing as climate communism right yeah. it's a part of that that ideology that they're pushing towards uh you know basically the the extinction of the planet right because we we can't survive just on electricity alone right well and the question is where does that electricity comes from come from and in a lot of cases it comes from fossil fuels i right. mean in europe electricity is made from something called biomass which is just chopped up softwood pulp trees and that biomass is dried with natural gas dryers and coated across the ocean on ships that burn bunker fuel so like the whole thing is like look these are people who can't run a lawnmower they have no physical skills. They don't even understand the physical world or even acknowledge it exists. And they're going to redo our power grid yeah. and get rid of the internal combustion engine. They don't know how the internal combustion engine works. Like these, these are the kids in theater class in school. Right. And they're like going to run a hydroelectric dam. What? No, <laughs> the whole thing is insane. But what bothers me is how anti-human it is. That's the problem that I have. It's effects. Right. Like we can, argue about what's their motive or whatever. I think this is clearly a replacement for religion. It obviously is. But even if you don't buy that, what are its effects? Toronto, which is like a real city, right? It replaced yep. Montreal as your effective capital, financial, political yeah. capital, 
I mean, effectively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, has it gotten nicer? Like, no. And I and I know because I go to Toronto like you know once every three years or something, and every time I visit, it's worse. Yeah. It's uglier. The people look sadder. There are more people living on the street. There yeah. are more drugs everywhere. Like you, I'm a sober person, and I know that people who are addicted to things like that's what it means to destroy somebody. Mm-hmm. And if your government is encouraging more drug use, yeah, you know, and then encouraging people to commit suicide, that is an anti-human government. Yes, and, and like I don't care what they say their ideology is: liberal, neoliberal, Marxist. I don't care what you call it. It's against mm-hmm. people. And yeah. I am a person and I have four little people who are my children. Like I'm for people. How could I not be? That's yeah. my team, people. And right. they're against people. I came up with a phrase. It's called systemic government abuse, which causes trauma, right? And at yeah. the core of every single issue we have in society starts with trauma, right? So what did we see happen at the beginning of COVID? We saw a spike in mental illness. We saw a spike in addictions. We saw a spike in suicidal ideation. And then ultimately, we saw people taking their own lives. But nobody talks about, you know, uh, the weaponization of traumatizing a society, right? Because when we're traumatized, we can't critically think. Because we're only surviving day to day, right? We have way, way more things on our mind. And the last thing that we're thinking about is going on a spiritual journey and solving the trauma issue in our life. 80 years ago, they used the same systemic government abuse of people to get them to fall in line. And that's what I'm seeing. Well, of course. And there's not even an acknowledgement that it's happening. One of the big changes that I never hear anybody mention, but it's very obvious to me, is the total abandonment of any interest at all in what's happening inside people. When we were kids, Freudian psychiatry was the rule. And whatever you thought of Freud, Freud's life's work was trying to figure out what was going on inside people's heads. Right. And like he cared about that. Around 30 years ago, we decided anything that's wrong with you is a quote, chemical imbalance that can be solved with more chemicals. You're basically a machine. You're not so different from an iPad. We can reprogram you and we don't have to worry. What you're really seeing in that change is leaders who no longer care about people. People are endlessly complex. You've taken a journey to the center of yourself and suffered a lot along the way. It's one of the reasons we're friends. I respect Mm -hmm. people who've done that. They've come out on the other side. They know themselves. They know how fragile they are. They know how dependent they are on God. And, And people like that are wise. People who look out at a sea of humanity and see widgets waiting to be assembled, who can be molded into any shape they desire, people like that are very dangerous. That's a totalitarian instinct. You have to treat people like people. You can't just say, as your prime minister and his government have done, if you're depressed, well, we'll just kill you, and that'll be the end of that. Anyone with that attitude is a terrifying person, a terrifying, that person is capable of mass murder. In fact, that is mass murder. Right. So- I do think that on the basis of that alone, Justin Trudeau and his government is a dictatorial government. I do think that they should be replaced. I'm not calling for violence, yeah. but I, I do think, you know, whatever it takes to get people who are killing Canadian citizens out of office is worth doing. And I mean that. I subscribe to the theory that we're not going to vote our way out of this. 
Yeah, no, you're right. They've subverted democracy. That's yeah. totally true. Joe Biden got 81 million votes, then I'm the Pope. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got more than Barack Obama? Really? Tell me how that works. <laughs> uh, you know, and, you know, we're in, in Alberta in May. We are facing probably the most important election of our time. And we have, we have a quasi Ron DeSantis premier who's now in place in Alberta. Her name is Danielle Smith, who's really trying to... Uh, you know, stick the MAGA middle finger in Trudeau's eyeball. And she is constantly, every single day, being attacked by the mainstream media. So, and, and you know, the person who's running against her is, an, is a lady named Rachel Notley, who's NDP, communist, you know, uh, ideology as well. So uh, I'm sure that, Klaus Schwab and all of his uh, minions will be in Alberta in the spring trying to steal that election. How does it look now? Well, she's in a big lead according to the polls. So hopefully we can keep it that way. I'm going to assume we're going to find out that she's a terrifying racist. Have we learned that yet? <laughs> yeah, she's been called absolutely, you know, every name in the book. I have many, many faults, many faults, right. which are on display. The one thing I'm not is a race guy. I've never been that interested in race. I don't, no. it's, it's not resolvable. It's just not an interesting no. topic to me. I'm not a racist. You could call me other names and I would, you know, I'd be lying if I denied it, but they always go to racist and you wonder like, why are they doing that? Like, yeah. isn't it obvious what my faults are? Yeah. Um, they're doing it, of course, not because they mean it or they care. They don't care. Yeah. Um, they, they just think it's the fastest way to get you to shut up. So explain to me the definition of far right. <laughs> because, far right. Because nobody on the left has ever been able to give me a solid definition of what far right is. It's like freedom, justice, and truth. No, far right, far right means you're a Nazi and are responsible for the Holocaust. That's what they're saying. It's a term it, that doesn't describe anything. There's no mm. definition of it. It's an epithet used to attack and delegitimize people that journalists don't like. And yeah. so it's the kind of term that when I was working at a newspaper 30 years ago, never would have been allowed, even by the liberal editors I worked for, because it's not a real term. It doesn't, like, we don't use terms in the news business that don't have clear definitions, because that's not informing people. It's trying to manipulate them. Far right! <laughs> Like, I have no freaking idea what far right is, but it sounds scary as hell. Yeah. Of course, that's the point. And so, no, look, anytime you, you hear someone use the term far right or see it in print, that person is instantly discredited as an honest arbiter. That person's yeah. lying to you by definition. Yeah. yeah. So and same with racist, by the way. Like, I've been, or white supremacy, that's another phrase. I'm often accused of being a white supremacist. I, I'm not, but mm -hmm. I still am interested in what they, what, what is that? What is a white supremacist? Does that mean someone who, I mean, like, what is that? Let's like, what's the, what's the definition right. word? You shouldn't use a word if you're in the communications business, particularly, which is to say politics and media, if it can't be defined clearly, if there aren't boundaries to the definition, like this is what mm -hmm. it is, this is what it isn't. But the left, because they, 
understand language as power, but they have no respect for language itself. They refuse to define things clearly because it's so helpful to have imprecise words. You're an extremist. Really, right. what does that mean? Well, mm -hmm. my views, for, for example, my views, not all of them, but most of them are squarely within the majority of American views as revealed by public polls. So like, yeah. if you want to know what people think, in a developed country like Canada or the United States, we do polls on this every day. Like, what do people think of this or that? I happen to be totally opposed to, to continuing the war in Ukraine. That I'm like the only person in American media who seems to feel that way. But then I look at the opinion polling, and so I'm an extremist. I'm for Putin or something. <laughs> then I look at the opinion polling, and it's like, I'm right in the middle of where the overwhelming majority of Americans are. So how am I an extremist? I'm actually... <laughs> I'm a thoroughly major. You're the extremist. You're pushing us toward nuclear war, which nobody supports. Like, what? How did I get to be the extremist? It's so funny. Well, you know what? I played with a lot of Russian hockey players in my day. Yeah. They, they all like Putin. Oh, I, I'm very aware of that. I'm right? very aware of that. You know? And so. and so you have to ask yourself why. I mean, look, I don't live in Russia. I don't yeah. so I don't want to live in Russia. I'm thoroughly American. I'm never leaving. I don't have another passport. I don't even have an American passport at this point. Mine expired. <laughs> so I'm not going anywhere. And I don't love Putin. But Putin is, a, as far as I can tell, a lot more popular than Joe Biden is. So if you, in other words, in Russia, he's more popular than, yes. than Biden is here. So like, if you claim to care about democracy, which is to say the expressed will of the people, in your political system, explain that to me. <laughs> oh, shut up, you Putin lover! <laughs> they're, so, they're such children. I don't take them seriously. Luckily. Yeah, yeah. Remind me where you where you grew up again. I'm from a little town called La Jolla, California. Okay, which is in northern San Diego County, right down there yeah. by the Mexican border. It's a beach town. It's a resort town. It's a very pretty town. Um, I grew up there. I came to the East Coast for high school. I went to boarding school because I was bad. And, um, and I've been on the East Coast ever since. So how does a guy from small town, California, end up being the most watched human being on television? I mean, everything in, I mean, I can only speak for my own personal trajectory, but everything is just luck or providence or whatever you yeah. would call it. But yeah. Same I mean, in I, the hockey world. I'm sure that's true. I mean, I, you could say, oh, hard work. Well, I, you know, I've always worked hard. First of all, I had four kids really young. So, you know, I didn't really have much of a choice. I had, well, I had no choice. I had to work hard. But I think most people work hard. Actually, most, almost everybody I know works hard. Yeah. I have a friend who works in an asphalt plant. You know, he hurt his back. He works hard. He hurt his back. And everyone works hard. Mm -hmm. I happen to be in the right place at the right time a bunch of different times. I've also, you know, been fired for low ratings. I also ran out of money and had to sell my house. Like I've definitely seen all sides of the experience and I happen to be on an upswing right now. I'm grateful for it. Yeah. I'd like it to continue, but I, I don't think we're fully in control of our lives. In fact, I think we have very little control over our lives. That's been my yeah. experience. Yeah. And I kind of resent people who aren't wise enough to acknowledge that. Like, yeah. even if you don't believe in God, and I, I do believe in God, but yes, even, even if you don't, you have to acknowledge that you're not the author of your own fate. You can't yeah. control, you can't really extend your life. Like, what? You're not in charge. And if you think you are in charge, you're mistaking yourself for God. Yeah. And anyone like that should not have power, period. Yeah. So do you, do you subscribe to the fact that 
the tax system, the way it's set up, pushes people right into the medical system because they can't afford a healthy diet and lifestyle. Do you, do you agree with that? And I, of course I do. And I think it's actually worse than that. I think it's that the government, I can only speak for ours, but our government actively discourages physical and emotional and mental health and pushes the population toward disease and madness. And I, mm-hmm. I could give you a million examples. I'll just give you a couple. One, during COVID, which from the very first weeks we knew was much more dangerous for fat people, much more dangerous. Yes. The U.S. government closed the gyms, but they kept open the liquor stores and the weed dispensaries yeah. and the big box stores and all other sources of like crappy behavior. The casinos, those were all open, but the gyms were closed. Now, what what's the justification? So there's never a justification for that. So that's mm-hmm. the first time I noticed like what? The second thing I noticed in our country was this like aggressive government promotion of marijuana. Now, I was a daily pot smoker as a child. I'm hardly prudish on the subject. But the truth is smoking a lot of weed is like not good for you. And in some percentage of the population, it does cause mental illness. That's not, I know I'll get lots of hate mail. You don't know how great weed is. Dude, I've I've smoked more weed than most people, okay? (laughs) But no, I, I, I got from California. Yeah. I mean, I've been sober for 20 years, so I've not smoked marijuana in 20 years, but I know a lot about marijuana. And in some people, and th- mm-hmm. this is the science, it can precipitate schizophrenia and other profound mental disorders, okay? Profound and increased anxiety and, and a lot of other things. And it's also yes. screws with your hormones. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's terrible to smoke weed once in a while. I don't think it is terrible. But to encourage well, people to become chronic weed smokers is to encourage them to become unhealthy and unproductive. And the government is doing that. What the hell is going on? They hate us, obviously. Well, I think I snorted 15 kilos of cocaine in 10 years. <laughs> in 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, cost. No, I get it. You're not encouraging it, drug use. Like, uh, by the no. way, just to be clear, I don't think people who smoke a joint should go to jail. I'm not saying that. It's not yeah. either or. Yeah. But our government taxes, the state of New York, for example, taxes cigars now at 95% for a cigar, which is effectively harmless. They're taxing weed at like 15%, which is not at all harmless, much more dangerous right. than cigars. Why? Well, possibly, be, just a guess now, possibly because tobacco, nicotine, increases your testosterone level and marijuana, needless to say, lowers it. And so it makes people more passive and easier to control. Again, I'm not judging you if you smoke weed. I'm just saying when the government promotes it, yes. you ask yourself, why? What is this? <laughs> And alcohol, right? Well, of course, and alcohol. And I'm not a, you know, I had to quit drinking. So I try not to ever talk about alcohol because I don't want to sound like one of those crazy, you know, prohibitionist Mm -hmm. rehabbers or something. I'm not that. My wife has to drink every night. You know, it's fine. I love my wife. Never gets drunk. It's great. But yes, to promote alcohol, like how many people does alcohol kill every year? And then they're like, oh, you need to get rid of your gas stoves because they're dangerous. Really? (laughs) Like you don't care or, about my or, health at or let's, all. Or let's blow up an Ohio town with like the worst chemicals on the planet. Exactly. And then ignore the people who live there because they're working class whites. Like this is so dark, dude. It's <laughs> so that? dark. It's a, it's unbelievable. So I know that you have done a lot of stories on Canada. Yes. Is that on purpose to show Americans where you guys are headed is that part of the the reason and do you have do you, 
like, what do you say to people up here? You know, are, are the Americans paying attention to us? Because we do share a border. And it's well, a very... The longest very, undefended border in the world, yes. Yes, that's what I was going to say. A very porous border. Yeah, and I happen, as you know, because you've been in my house, I happen to live right next to it. So I wish I could say that there was a lot of forethought in my emphasis in Canada. And I'm, I'm being as honest as I can be. I just like Canada. I've always liked Canada. Um, I've made a lot of fun of Canada over the years because when you make fun of Canadians, they instantly respond. They instant, they cannot control themselves. And they're so funny and they do it in this ingenuous way. Like every time I go to Canada, every time I check an hotel in Canada, I always say, where do they park the sled dogs? And they always say, we haven't had sled dogs in years, eh? That's not true. Or I'll say, like, when did you guys get electricity? And they get so defensive, like, hey, we've had electricity for a long time, eh? Like a long time. Like, <laughs> just when they're like dead, and they're dead serious when they're, they're dead. Talking. Well, you, you are kidding. You know what they're like? They're like hilarious. Yeah. So yeah. I love making fun of them, but I make fun of them the way that I make fun of my children. Like, it's out of real, genuine affection. And. Yeah. And I do think that Canada has a lot in common with the United States culturally. I mean, both yes. of them are fruits of the same tree, which is Great Britain. And it was the same. Both countries have changed so much, but they, these were Protestant countries originally, with the exception of Quebec. But these were Protestant countries. That, I mean, you had the queen on your currency. Maybe you still do. Yeah, and, we still got her. She's still around. Yeah, and you had the same kind of civil society you had the same commitment to the military. Canada, I think, had a much higher death rate per capita in the First World War than the United States. Like they were very, very similar. And there's also this like core niceness in the native populations of both countries. Like if you get lost in Canada, someone will help you. If you get lost yeah. in, in you know small town USA, same thing. So if something happens in Canada, like I think it's, I think it is a harbinger of what is going to happen to us. I do. Like why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I know now, <clears throat> you know, the, the Chinese are flying balloons and all kinds of crap over and, and Trudeau's just letting it go right to you guys. So, you know, that should be a sign of, of, you know, bigger things that are coming. Well, Trudeau's alliance with the communist Chinese government gets too little attention, in my opinion. And yeah. for all, it's just so funny. I mean, not that you need to show that they're hypocrites or you know, power mad despots in waiting. That's also very obvious, but I still can't get over his hyperventilation on race. Everything's about race. These are yeah. totally race obsessed people determined to make us hate each other on the basis of skin color. And Trudeau is even worse than Biden on this, I would say. Yeah. And yet they don't even notice that China is an ethno state run by and for the Han Chinese, a racial category that commits genocide against different races. Everyone's like, oh, the Uyghurs, the Uyghurs. The key to the Uyghur situation is not just that they're Muslims, which they are, they're a different race. Yeah. And that's not acceptable in China. And no one says that. Like, we are watching people get murdered because of their race in a country that you love and you don't say a single word about it? Like, mm -hmm. what? It's, yeah. It blows my mind. Yeah. Do you have any advice for the average Canadian who... Uh... Your guns. Don't ever 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 give up your guns and i don't yeah. care what fake law they pass and they're fake laws they're inconsistent yeah. with natural law with with your inherent rights as a man to defend yourself i don't care what they say i don't care what pretext they invent oh you're dangerous you're not dangerous they're dangerous 
Yeah. And anyone who wants to prevent you from defending yourself does not have good intentions for you. That's yeah, not a good sign. It's about disarming the population so that so that we can't fight. And yeah. Canadians are so nice and law-abiding, like Australian, like the Aussies, like the Kiwis, you know, like the Brits. These are all again. These are all roughly the same people, and their their strength is their weakness. Their strength is niceness. Their weakness is niceness, and they are law-abiding, decent people. They created our modern system of government. Okay, yeah. that's how law-abiding they are. And so it's very easy to talk them in to acting against their own most basic interests by saying it's the law. Mm. What does that mean, the law? Because some crackpot parliament filled with people who just got here decided that our ancient <laughs> rights are invalid? Of yeah. yours. No, that's <laughs> yeah. got to be the red line. And I don't care if I sound crazy. I'm not crazy. Actually, they're crazy, but they're crazy with intent. They're very focused on guns. Why is that? Because Canada is a terrible gun violence problem in the rural <laughs> provinces. It has no gun violence problem. All of our guns come from the U.S. shipped up here. So and, yeah, and put in the hands of criminals. Yeah, the, exactly. But they're not worried about guns in the hands of criminals. They're worried no. about guns in the hands of people who don't vote for them. Yeah. And that should be a sign right there. I'm not going along with this. I'm not yeah. going along with this. You're trying to yeah. hurt me toward a very uncertain future, and I'm just, I'm just not going. So yeah. that's that'd be my advice. And I, and I should just be clear. I'm a completely nonviolent person. I've yes, wars a couple of times. I've seen people, you know, get killed, and I'm totally opposed to violence. And I mean that. And I'm a nonviolent. Yes. I would never hurt someone else. Mm. But I don't want to be hurt. Guns are not just a means of self-defense, they're a metaphor, they're a symbol yeah. of autonomy, and they're a symbol of the most basic right of every human being, which is to defend his life, his family, and his property. And if you take that away, you're a slave. And I'm just not going to live as a slave, yeah. period. There's yeah. a re and, you know, they always say, like in Canada or the UK, well, America's so different from us. They all have guns. Okay, where do you think that right came from? It came from English people who moved here to escape tyranny from England. Yes. And the first thing they thought was, wow, given our experience in England <laughs> with the ancestors of people who live in Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, is we need to defend ourselves. That's a core right. It's the right to speak freely and the right to defend yourself. Those are the two first rights guaranteed in our founding documents. And unfortunately, these populations in the other Anglosphere countries have been so totally cowed and the testosterone levels have gotten so low, they become so passive and self-hating that they'll put up with anything. Yeah. But anyone who respects it, and that's why, if I, can I say something super controversial? Yeah. My yeah. hope for Canada, I know everyone hates the French Canadians. I don't. I think the hope for Canada is in the French Canadians. They're super hard to deal with. They're, you know, very prickly. They're complicated, just like French people in France but they have self-respect. They do. And a lot of the Anglos, and I am an Anglo, obviously, yeah. so I know my people. A lot of the Anglos don't. They just want to get along. They don't want to make a fuss. Deep inside the French soul is, is self-respect. Like We love our language. We love our culture. We love our people. And there's only a certain point you can push us to, and past that, we're just going to fight you for it. Yeah. And that's why you'd much rather get in a bar fight with an Anglo in Canada than with a, a French Canadian. French Canadian, you know, he may be five feet tall, but he'll bite you. So <laughs> I think that's been my experience. Well, I'm a five foot six French okay. Aboriginal. I, I'm a yeah. five foot six French Aboriginal Canadian, right? So 
<laughs> and I'm the I'm the first Aboriginal racist in Canada. <laughs> it's so funny. I know I probably shouldn't be talking like this. I and I don't have a dog in no, the fight. No, I, I like, don't. I, I don't dis. I don't disagree with you on that fact. You know that. Uh, you know, there's still tons of pride left in this country, as you saw. You know, uh, during the trucker convoy, you saw the country come together. All the patriots, the non-patriots got involved in the movement because, you know, they just want to belong somewhere, anywhere. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So, um, and they've kind of, they've really uh, uh, tried to divide the freedom movement. And in Canada right now, it's, it's really divided. And that's why we created Canadians for Truth is we wanted, you know, everybody to have a home and everybody to have a voice. And so... Um, I can't thank you enough, Tucker. I can't thank you for your can oh, candid and for you every day. I really mean that. Well, and we're rooting for you. And uh, like I said before, you have a huge following here, and lots of people love what you're doing, and you give people hope and strength and and all that. So keep doing what you're doing, and we'll keep supporting you uh, up here as well. God bless. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tucker. Mm -hmm.